a former intelligence official testified last week in Congress that they have found UFOs and non-human remains with these UFOs. What? Is this true? Does it matter? Does anyone care? Is it biblically possible for there to be aliens? We'll get into all of that. Also, I'll give you a little personal update, how things are going, how the pregnancy is gone, what I'm looking forward to in the coming weeks. And then to round us out, we are going to talk a little bit more about this Florida curriculum that people are so up in arms about on the right and the left. And again, to show you what is true and to give you the facts about it, because it's so important to get this right. All right, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's goodranchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend that you're ready for a great week. It is going to be, it's going to feel like, I think like 112 where I am this week. I'm pretty sure that it's actually physically going to get up to like 110 at some point this week. I'm a big whiner in the winter time, big time whiner. And in the fall, as soon as it gets like a little bit chilly, I'm like, nope, I want to go outside and sweat. I want it to feel like a suffocating blanket of heat as soon as I step out my door. And then as soon as it happens to me, as soon as it happens to me every year, I'm like, why? Why? Why do I tolerate this? Why don't I live in, I don't know, some kind of beautiful mountain in Utah? Um, and so, but I really, I really try not to complain about the weather because I heard Elizabeth Elliot say like a few years ago, she didn't say it a few years ago, but I heard her say it a few years ago that like complaining about the weather is basically grumbling at God because who else is in charge of the weather except for him. So I really try not to do that. All I will say is that I don't think I, as a human being and built for these kinds of extremes. I think that I am built for very mild 75 weather and also being as pregnant as I am right now, I have just like an incubator in me at all times. I am like perpetually warm. So anyway, for all of you in these Southern states, in the desert states that are suffering as I am, under such suppressive heat, I just wanted to express some empathy with you, that I, I'm i right there with you. And I know we think we're like, it's going to break. It's going to break at some point. You know what? Let's just, just acknowledge and just accept the fact, just be content with the fact that we have about three, three four more months of this. You think it's going to break in September? It's not going to break in September. You think it's going to break in October? It's probably not going to break in October. It's probably going to be Thanksgiving before it gets down into the 70s. So just accept that. And I'm just going to learn how to be grateful in all circumstances, content in all circumstances. So you guys asked me for a personal update. That's part of my personal update. I'm sweating all of the time. Um, but you guys, when I asked on Instagram, what do you want me to talk about? A lot of people said aliens. And so we're going to talk about aliens. But you also asked me to just give a personal update because, as you well know, I am 36 weeks pregnant. Um, or maybe you didn't know how far along I was, but most of you know that I am pregnant with our third child. We're so excited. We are keeping the gender a surprise. We don't know. We found out with our first two 
Um, don't know with this one, which has been really, really fun. So for my personal update, I don't really have that much to uh, to say, except for thank the Lord, it's been a healthy pregnancy. All three of my pregnancies have been um, thus far, thank God, very uneventful pregnancies. I've never um, had any any you know, any kind of incident or any scares or anything like that. And I don't take that for granted. I am so incredibly grateful. I've actually felt better in a lot of ways in this pregnancy than I have in previous pregnancies. I did have a coffee aversion this pregnancy in my first trimester, actually for like the first half of my pregnancy that I did not have my last two pregnancies. And I know some people, they don't drink coffee at all. You don't have to message me about that, about like being careful about your caffeine intake and things like that. I am, I, I don't drink very much caffeine. I probably drink like half a cup to, I don't know, two thirds of a cup of coffee a day. And that's my caffeine intake. And so you don't have to worry about that. But I could not drink black coffee at all. I could only drink because, you know, when you have morning sickness, if you don't have caffeine, that can make your nausea worse. And so I still tried to get some form of caffeine, but like the only kind of coffee that I liked was ice with heavy cream with a little vanilla in there, which I'm not saying is good for you, but just to give me something to help me feel like a functioning human. Actually, if you go back and you look at some of the episodes that I did in February, uh, that like the episodes with Ginger Volo, I had one episode with Justin Haskins where internally I thought that I was going to die. I was so nauseous, felt so tired. My like head hurt so much. And I really didn't have those symptoms in my first two. So that part was definitely harder, but the aches and pains in this pregnancy and the last half of this pregnancy have not been as difficult. So I'm praising God for that. First half was harder. Second half has been easier. I don't know if that's an indication of the gender one way or another, but um, yeah, so it has been a little bit different than my first two. And I have also, I've worked out, I've taken, well, I've walked, but also I've done my um, like my my bar classes that I take during this pregnancy. And I really didn't work out at all in my first two pregnancies, maybe a little bit here and there, but not consistently. Um, I don't work out every day, but I work out two to three times a week while pregnant. Um, and then I walk as well. And so maybe that's helped with my aches and pains. I also see a chiropractor and I see a physical therapist. And so that stuff has helped. I've learned every pregnancy that I need. I think that women in general, but you just need more support when you're pregnant than you think. And there are so many things that you can do, exercises you can do, people you can go to to help mitigate some of the discomfort. Not everyone can you know, go to a chiropractor and physical therapist, but if you can, or there are a lot of things that you can do online, a lot of resources online uh, that, you can, that you can do. Spinning babies is one of them to show you how to stretch the different movements that you can do to make sure that your body is nice and loose. And I do think that the exercise aspect that that has really helped. So I encourage you, if you are wanting to get pregnant, if you are pregnant, um, to exercise in some form. I, I don't think that now is the time to start CrossFit if you were not doing that before, 
But something low impact, I do, I've also heard that this whole idea that you shouldn't start working out while pregnant if you weren't working out before, that that's really a myth. That of course you can start being healthy and you can start exercising. Again, probably not like the most intense form of exercise ever, but low impact stuff that is getting your body moving and getting your heart rate up as long as you can tolerate it, especially after that first trimester. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. It's probably good. It's helped me feel a lot more energized. Like both pregnancies, y'all ask for the pregnancy update, for the personal update. So if it seems like I'm rambling, it's because I am. But this is what a personal update is like for me in my head. Um, like first two pregnancies, I needed like the big pregnancy pillow at night. It's, you know, like the giant C pillow that is like the whole body pillow just to keep myself comfortable, probably starting at like 30 weeks. My hips and back hurt so much. I was in so much pain, like so early on, it felt like both pregnancies that sleeping was just terrible. Like my hips would hurt so much. They get so tired. I would flip over. But as you know, once your belly gets big, it's so hard to flip over at night. It's like an entire event. And But this time I haven't had that at all, thankfully. I still do have some aches and pains that I'm working through. I have some like tight muscles that are like a little painful. But for the most part, I think the exercise and all the other stuff that I've been doing has really helped. I've also been taking ladies, you should be taking a magnesium supplement while you're pregnant in addition to all the other stuff too. So anyway, I'm getting super close. Um, I'm 36 weeks. Both my previous pregnancies went long or like what people would call long. I was induced with my first, not something that I would do again. It did not go well. My body was not ready at all. There was no medical reason for me to induce besides just being 40 weeks pregnant. Baby was fine. I was fine, but I did not know better. I did not know better. And so I got induced. And when you're like zero, zero, and if you don't know what that means, I don't need to get into the anatomical like specifics of that. But when you're zero, zero and your baby is high and there's no medical reason to be induced, personally, just not from a doctor's perspective, personally, like that's not something I would recommend to one of my friends. If I could go back and change that, I would. But that was like 40 weeks, six days. She probably would have gone to like 42 weeks or so. And then my second one, I did have, you know, spontaneous labor and that was 41 and one. So babies like to cook. My womb is very hospitable. And so I fully anticipate going to past 40 weeks, which is difficult. It's is if any of you have been pregnant at 40 weeks pregnant, every day after that is really tough. Not just because you're physically uncomfortable, but just the mental stamina that you have to have, not knowing if you're gonna have your baby in two weeks or two hours. It's it's just tough. Um and so I'm but I am anticipating that. That's just what I have in my head and then if I go into labor sooner then that's great, but I'm also trying not to speaking of contentment with the weather, also be content with the length of pregnancy because I don't take for granted that I have if this is true that I will have gone to and through all due dates for my children. And I know that not everyone gets to do that. People who have suffered from loss, people who have gone through very difficult preterm labors and had NICU stays. I know that there are women who are in the hospital as we speak right now at 30 weeks pregnant or sooner than that. Like, And they would give anything 
to not be in labor at the moment. They would give anything to give birth at the due date rather than being in the hospital now and going through the complications of having an early delivery and all of that. So I don't want to complain about going to 40 weeks or 41 weeks because not everyone gets to do that. And so I'm trying to have that like grateful mentality that, wow, Lord, thank you so much for allowing me to have this much time with babies in the womb. Now, I say that at 36 weeks, you can ask me again at 41 weeks if I am that cheery and that and that grateful about it. But um, I'm taking off maternity leave starting 38 weeks, so a couple weeks. And as I've said before, we have many, many episodes that we have been saving up for you that we have been working on for the past several months, and they are all going to come out while I'm on maternity leave. We have so many fascinating conversations. It's been really hard for me to keep those not published, unpublished, and not tell you about them because so many of them I know are going to be not just good, hopefully, but also controversial in some ways. Some of the conversations that we've had are on very uh, controversial topics. And you're also going to be really encouraged by a lot of them, I think, really educated on things that I hadn't thought about, maybe you hadn't thought about before on a lot of them. And then we've got some fun Q&As, some serious, some lighthearted, all that good stuff. And so for 12 weeks, you will be getting new content. And so as much as you can listen to those, watch those, share those, that helps the show since we won't be talking about all of the relevant news stuff. But I'm super excited to um, have that break, have that three-month break It's going to be really great. Um, I'm in the midst of nesting, which is a terrible thing to do when you're 36 weeks because my house is chaos right now. Instead of actually organizing, I'm in the like taking everything out stage before I figure out where it's all going to go, which is the most chaotic stage to be in. Again, not a great stage to engage in when you have two young children and you're 36 weeks pregnant. But alas, it's just it's some kind of biological inclination that we all have. And I haven't satiated it at all the entire pregnancy. And now I'm into it and it's just chaos. So we're going through a transition period in a lot of different ways in our family, all good stuff, but kind of overwhelming. And a lot of you guys ask me, like, how can we pray for you, which is so sweet. Thank you so much to those of you who message me and ask me, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Um, I've just been asking friends to pray for peace and order, not just in our lives, because there's going to be a level of chaos going from two children to three children and all of that, everything that that entails, Um, but peace and order in our hearts, in our minds, in how we act and how we speak to each other, you know, in times of high stress, you and your spouse should remember that you're on the same team, not adversaries. And so just prayers for that, for peace and for order in our lives, obviously for a safe and a smooth uh, birth and all of that. And so anyway, thank you guys so much. That's my personal update. I'm sure that there's a lot more that I could share about life and all that good stuff. But honestly, this pregnancy has gone by so quickly. It's gone by so quickly. Um, And being the third pregnancy, I'm not asking for, like I'm not having some big baby shower or anything like that. People at this point, I'm like, really the only thing that you need is diapers. And that's just a recommendation I'll give to you. New moms, you don't really need everything that you think that you need before the baby comes. Do not stress yourself out. If you don't have the nursery ready, if you don't have all the matching clothes, if the drawers aren't all organized by the time the baby comes, I understand that feels good. That's totally great if you got that. If you don't, 
that's okay too. Because all that baby needs for the first few weeks is you get you some gray and white onesies, some cheap stuff from Walmart, because you're probably going to throw them away anyway, because they're going to get stained. Diapers, wipes, you're good to go, girl. You are good to go. Um, I'll give you more updates if you guys want it. If you have any specific questions, or maybe I know a lot of you guys have asked like tips for new moms, tips for pregnancy, things like that. I'm feeling almost too pro level on pregnancy since this is number three. Now, I know those of you who have 10 kids are laughing at me, but I feel like I almost know what I'm doing now. Um, So I'll try to give you some tips at some point if that's something that you guys are interested in. All right. Now that I've given my little personal update, which was kind of long, let's get into aliens. But I've got to pause and tell you about our first sponsor. And just so you know, since I went 16 minutes without giving any sponsors, the sponsors are going to be kind of close together for the rest of the show. So I'm just giving you a fair warning of that. Sorry about that. Um, All right. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. That is, of course, Carly Jean Los Angeles, which I didn't even know I was doing a read for Carly Jean Los Angeles today. Sometimes producer Brie will tell me just to make sure that I'm wearing CJLA, but she doesn't really have to do that because I'm wearing it every day without even any effort because my entire closet is filled with Carly Jean Los Angeles because I genuinely love their stuff. This sweater Super cute. Why am I wearing a sweater when it's 100 degrees outside? I don't know, but it's a very light sweater and it's really cute. I could see you wearing it all year round, spring, summer, fall, all that good stuff. It's like a lime green. And then I've got these cute like work pants that I think work for professional environments, but are an elastic waistband. And then this comfortable, uh, Carly Jean top. So I wear Carly Jean all the time in every stage of life, pregnant, postpartum, what have you. All their basics line is made in the US, which is amazing. It's a Christian family run company. So you can feel really good about filling your closet with Carly Jean Los Angeles and spending your money there. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB for 20% off your first order. That's CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, or not first order, just 20% off any order. Uh, promo code AllieB for 20% off CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com code Allie B. Okay, so if you've seen the discourse on Twitter, people are talking about aliens and UFOs. So now I guess we don't call them UFOs. We call them UAPs. The language is always changing. Kind of like how it went from Indian to Native American to indigenous people. I'm sure it's going to change again at some point. We're all trying to we're all trying to keep up with the language changes. It's not UFO anymore. We've heard from extraterrestrials that that is uh, extremely offensive. And so we have changed it to UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, it's an issue of, they say, bipartisan concern, according to NBC, raised national security questions. Some also accused the federal government of endeavoring to conceal key UFO-related information from the public, though they did not provide evidence to support those allegations. So right now, their congressional hearings, or there were congressional hearings last week um, asking members of the intelligence community, U.S. intelligence community, what they know about these UFOs or UAPs. Uh, David Grush, who is a former U.S. intelligence official, told the panel that he is absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs. So this would be like flying objects. We do not know where they come from. The federal government, I guess he says, has found these and is in possession 
of them. He led Defense Department efforts to analyze reported UAP sightings and was informed of a multi-decade Pentagon program that endeavored to collect and reconstruct crashed UAPs. Now, that I don't necessarily have a hard time believing. I think that there's a lot that our government does that we do not know, that we will never know, that there could be flying objects or flying things that we're not completely sure what they are. Sure, I can see that being a possibility. Grush, who underscored that he has not personally, he has not personally spotted a UAP, told the panel that he knows of multiple colleagues who are injured by UAPs. He also said he has interviewed individuals who have recovered non-human biologics from crashed UAP. So that's the headliner right there. Okay, we've got video of him in this congressional hearing saying that they have found non-human remains at these crash sites. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Okay. Non-human remains. He can't fully talk about it. He doesn't, can't say what the documentation is. It is nice to see Nancy Mace uh, showing up to the job and talking about what's actually on the table rather than what happened with her fiance that morning in bed. <laughs> Like she did at the prayer breakfast last week, as I talked about on Instagram. Um, anyway, so non-human remains. He has not seen these, I guess, but there's some maybe documentation that he won't even talk about. Uh, he was asked by Representative Eric Burleson, a Republican from Missouri, to substantiate the crash UAP's claim. The former intelligence official said he could not divulge specific details, once again claiming the information was too sensitive to share with the public. He did describe the nature of what he saw. I have to be very careful here, but what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. So non-human remains of the pilots of these UAPs, he says, were discovered. Then there was Ryan Graves at this congressional hearing. He's a former Navy pilot. He told the panel that military pilots do not feel adequately briefed on UAPs, which he said leaves them unprepared to respond to UAP encounters. All right, I could see that. Uh, he claimed that commercial airline pilots have spotted UAPs too. It just seems like if it were this mainstream that we would hear about it more. I'm not sure. David Fravor, a former Navy com uh, commander, said he and three fellow military pilots spotted a white tic-tac-shaped object in 2004. Okay, so tic-tac-shaped tic object. I'm guessing not tic-tac-sized object. Uh, because that would have probably just been a tic-tac. Um, in 2004, hovering below their jets and just above the Pacific Ocean. As he descended to inspect the sighting, he claimed the unidentified aircraft, which he said bore no visible rotors, wings, or exhaust, began to ascend and approach his fighter jet. He claimed that the UAP then vanished, only to reappear a few seconds later, but this time it was spotted 60 miles away. Uh, Fravor told the committee that the technology he and his team encountered defies logical explanation. The technology that we face is far superior to anything that we had Fravor claimed, and there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Well, how do we know? I guess 
I mean, how do we know that there's nothing that we can do about it? It's very strange. This is a very strange phenomenon. I'm not saying that I don't believe these people. I do think that they are strange anecdotes. Why haven't we heard about this more? I mean, and and if it's so mainstream, if like commercial pilots and military members, former intelligence officers have all seen this, why is it seen as this grand conspiracy theory? Why isn't it just something that's accepted as fact? And why isn't there more documentation of it? That would be my question. According to the Daily Wire, Susan Gao, go, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, spokesperson for the Department of Defense, insisted that its all-domain anomaly resolution office, which has been tasked with investigating UFOs, has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. Okay, so... The quad, that really didn't have to do necessarily with aliens, except for the comment by the guy that there were non-human remains found with these UAPs. Now, non-human, that could mean a lot of things, I guess. That could mean animal. Uh, I mean, maybe not a lot of things. I guess that's the only thing that it could mean. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it was some sort of alien. So I believe that there could be unidentified flying objects. I think that they're from other countries um, and that there's some kind of spying devices. I wouldn't be surprised at all if China, Russia has this kind of capability and has for a long time. Now, it would be really embarrassing if we weren't able to understand that technology and match that technology ourselves. But that would be, I think, the logical explanation. Unless there are people in the United States flying very sophisticated drones that somehow the U.S. intelligence community doesn't know about. The question is, like, does this really matter? Does the existence of these UFOs, UAPs, does the existence even of aliens, extraterrestrial life, like, do people really care about that? Um, Not really. According to NBC, people don't really seem to care. Um, the news that the government may be in possession of non-human biological matter and UFOs was met with surprising apathy online. Surprising to whom? I, who is that surprising to? Um, so they give some examples of this, some tweets saying, basically, I don't care. I don't know if any of these people are notable, but they're just saying, look, I don't care. This is just a distraction. People posting memes of this kind of stuff. It's just not really that big of a deal. And look, I tend to agree with that. My question is, what am I supposed to do with this information? If there are, if there were aliens, which I'll get into whether or not I even think that's a theological possibility. Um, if there are UAPs, what, what, what do I need to know about that? I don't need to know anything. They're not going to call on me to give them intelligence on this or tell them what to do. There are so many threats to our lives every day. There, turbulence now is normal. Like tumult is normal. Unpredictability is now very predictable. Like we already have the threat of nuclear war. We're already being run by a cakeistocracy. Like we already have a million things to deal with from just like our the stresses of our everyday lives, to rising crime, to war, to corruption, all this stuff. They're already plaguing our lives and disturbing our peace. This is just one more thing. It's just one more thing that could kill us, that could disturb us, that could conquer us. 
I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. Am I supposed to be more worried than I was before? Because I'm already not very happy about the state of the world. Would it be the worst thing if aliens came down and said, honestly, I didn't know that this could be messed up as badly as it is, and I think we're just going to have to take over. That's not the that's not the worst outcome, except for I don't believe in aliens. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. And other people online seem to uh, seem to agree. I saw that Michael Knoll said, how come China and Russia aren't holding urgent hearings on UFOs? And I thought that was an interesting question. And so I was looking into it and I saw this tweet that has uh, a lot of engagement from Dr. Simon Gotick. Uh, I don't know who that is. He said, look at this map showing where UFOs have been spotted all over the world. Why is the US lighting up like a Christmas tree? So basically what this map shows, and we can put it up on YouTube, is that it's only the US and like England that has ever spotted a UFO. I mean, as far as we know, maybe it's because the documentation, the reporting mechanism, uh, mechanisms aren't as good in these other countries. But even looking at like Australia uh, and some of these other like European countries, like it's most people in the world don't say that they have ever seen a UFO. I think it's a mostly American phenomenon because of Hollywood, because of folklore, because of our distrusting government, because our government is so freaking weird. Like, I think that this is mostly an American thing. If this were really a phenomenon everywhere, then I think that we would probably see more reports than we currently do. But it's always like, no, we definitely saw Bigfoot outside of Branson. Like, it's always something like that with the conspiracy theories. Now, again, I'm not not saying that it's impossible for there to be UAPs, but this whole idea of extraterrestrial life, I think we're just like obsessed with that possibility here. Um, I think I, I personally think it's silly. I don't believe in the whole non-human remain story. I simply don't. And again, I don't even think whether someone has a worldview or not, or whether or not someone knows their worldview and what they think about human beings and other creatures, I just don't think that most people care about aliens. I don't think that most people think it's that big of a deal. Um, so let me get into, like, is it possible for aliens to be real from a biblical perspective? Is it possible? We'll get into that just a little bit, not too deeply, but I'll give you my opinion and then I may ask Brie what she thinks about that. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is Every Life. So Every Life is a pro-life diaper company. Did you know that a lot of the diaper companies that we use, like even the clean brands, the uh, seemingly family-friendly brands that you would hope all diaper companies would be, but a lot of them are donating to abortion. They are pro-choice. They are Democrat activists. They're donating to politicians that then turn around and try to allow access to abortion through all nine months, which is very, uh, it's it's very counterproductive, counterintuitive for these diaper companies to do, but they do. So you want to make sure that if you're buying diapers for your child, that you are buying diapers from a company that supports life in every life. Life does that. Uh, Every Life has this amazing uh, program. It's called 
buy for a cause, you can buy a bundle um, of diapers and wipes and things like that. And it will be donated to a family in need to help them choose life. Because when you're supported, you're more likely to choose life for your baby. And uh, these are very high quality diapers. I just, someone just gave me a whole box of them as a gift. And also Every Life sent me some, which I'm very appreciative of. So I love supporting pro-life companies. So it's time to make the switch. Go to everylife.com. Use code Ally10 at checkout. That's everylife.com, code Ally10. Okay, so is it possible for there to be aliens? Well, it depends on what you mean by aliens. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Is it just extraterrestrial life? Well, of course, we believe in angels and demons, but do you believe in some like non human, non animal form somewhere out there that could live on another planet that has the ability to rationalize, that has a moral compass? If that's what you mean by alien, then the answer is no. I don't believe in aliens because I don't see any room in scripture for some kind of creature that is not described in the first couple chapters of Genesis that is made in the image of God, but is not human. Because if you have the capacity to rationalize in reason and to have a moral will, to have some kind of moral compass that can distinguish between right and wrong, that is uh, that is us being made in the image of God. And yet you are somehow not human. I do not see a biblical category for that. I also just think it's extremely unlikely that in all of these many years, I mean, most of the people who believe in aliens also believe that the earth has been around for billions and billions of years. I, I have a hard time believing there hasn't been some more concrete documentation of interactions between those creatures and us. And as much as we have explored space, we haven't interacted with those beings, those creatures. We haven't seen more about them, that they're just isolated to these very obscure and coincidentally non-documented cases of interactions. I just find it very unlikely. But really, I think that if you just go to the creation account and you think about like the arc of redemption that God has uh, laid out for us from Genesis to Revelation and that still is ongoing today, like you would have to fit these non-human but apparently rational and civilization building beings into that plan of redemption. And I just don't think we see that. I think we see that man and man alone is made in God's image, that there is a distinction between human beings and between animals, and that there isn't some kind of in-between category. Now, demons exist. Angels exist. Obviously, throughout the Bible, there is documented interaction uh, between those groups of beings. And so is it possible that interactions that people have had have been like an interaction with some kind of demon, an interaction with some kind of angel? Um, possibly. I'm not I'm not sure about that or if they're just entirely made up. Here's what Got Questions says. I love gotquestions.org. I think that they do a really good and thorough biblical job of answering these kind of questions. Um, and so they basically say that same thing. And so they um, they talk about the creation account, but then they also talk about 
the curse and redemption. And it says this, if all of creation now suffers under the curse, any life apart from the earth would also suffer. If for the sake of argument, moral beings do exist on other planets, then they also suffer. And if not now, then someday they will surely suffer when everything passes away with a great noise and the elements melt with fervent heat. If they had never sinned, then God would be unjust in punishing them. But if they had sinned, then Christ would only could only die once, then they are left in their sin, which uh, which would also be contrary to the character of God. This leaves us with an unsolvable paradox, unless, of course, there are no moral beings outside of the earth. Um, and then what about non-moral or non-sentient life forms on other planets? Could algae or even dogs and cats be present on an unknown planet? Uh, presumably so scientifically, I'm not sure about like cats and dogs and other planets theologically, probably so because Jesus didn't die for the souls of animals because animals don't have souls. That's right. Animals, your pets don't go to heaven or hell. That's another, that's another story. Uh, in conclusion, the Bible gives us no reason to believe that there is life elsewhere in the universe. In fact, the Bible gives us several key reasons why there cannot be. Yes, there are many strange and unexplainable things that take place. There's no reason, though, to attribute these phenomena to aliens. If there's a discernible cause to these supposed events, it is likely to be spiritual and more specifically demonic in origin. Um, and yes, I would agree with that, that it's more likely to be demonic than angelic um, in origin. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that's basically what I think about it. I don't think that aliens like gray people, green people are real. Like in the age of the iPhone, if these, if interactions really happened, then someone would take a TikTok of it. Like it wouldn't be that it's so mysterious and so, you know, and, and so obscure and so hidden at this point. I just don't believe that. And obviously, I just don't believe that they're real. I don't think that there's a biblical category for them or a scientific category, but I don't think there's a biblical category for any kind of sentient, moral, reasoning, rational being that is not human. Um, and that's how I feel about a lot of these conspiracy theories, by the way, that deal with some kind of non-human, non-animal creature. Okay, you're going to have to come up with another category, and I need to know how that fits into the redemption arc. Um, okay, Bree, what do you think about what do you think about aliens? Do you think that they are uh, legit? You know, here's the thing: I so wish that I did because I feel like Why? it would be. I feel like the conspiracies are so much fun. But I just genuinely don't. <laughs> I don't think that they're real. Would you um, care if someone if like, were. yeah, if someone showed you a picture and was like, they we found out that they do live on Mars. Theological qualms aside. Probably, I wouldn't care unless they were trying to like, unless they were trying to come here, I guess, or trying to, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I also, I really think a, a lot of these like encounters that people have are demonic and uh, spiritual in nature. And there's even something called the alien abduction theory where in the end times, like the explanation for why people like disappear or why, um, uh, terrible things are happening or the antichrist himself is like in the form of an alien and that's mm. what they tell us <laughs> so i don't know the specifics of that but i thought that was interesting because that is interesting like the rapture be. or just i think that's one theory another is that like 
they're extraterrestrial beings. That's what they're going to be called. But they're really like just spiritual beings. Yeah. That, you know, come and wreak havoc here. So. Yeah. I'm just like not really. Inter- I think I, I'm not really interested in in the conversation just because I know for a fact that they're not real. But also, I don't know if the, I don't know again. Like, what do I? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> what does it mean to me? Yeah. What What am I supposed I to do with I that? I do agree with that. I do agree with that. And you kind of just there's so many questions before I am made to care. You know? Yeah. Are they hostile? Do they want to kill me? Or does it matter? Yeah. I mean, there I are know. already. I like. I'm much more scared of robots, yeah. which are real. Yeah. And powerful. I agree. The videos that I've seen. And so, like, and the fact, okay, so here's the thing, is that in order to believe in aliens and that the aliens are responsible for the UAPs and UFOs, you do have to believe that they're rational creatures because they've created this insane technology that is far beyond anything that we've created. And apparently their, like, intellect, their ability, because animals can't create. They can't create like that. There's no creature that can create. You have to be a rational, sentient being in order to create something like a flying saucer or whatever it is. And so, again, for the Christian, you have to ask, okay, well, what category of creature is that then? If it's rational, it's sentient, it can create. It's If it's created that, it's probably created c- civilization and some kind of hierarchy and order and all of that. Where does that fall in? to the fall? Where does that fall into redemption? And I don't think we see even at all the biblical possibility that there is like a parallel universe with a parallel savior and all of that. Right. Then you're just getting into craziness. Right. And also just the the practicality of it. You're so right. Why has no one just filmed something on an iPhone? Yeah. There's a family that saw aliens in their backyard, non-humans in their backyard in a UFO and they've just gone silent. No one took a video. No one took a photo. They just said it happened. And now they've just like kind of, they're not talking about it anymore. Yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> I see aircrafts in the sky that I'm like, that looks weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. But then I just don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. But I remember seeing signs in sixth grade. Did you oh. see signs? Oh, it was so scary. Just the one so shot. Scary. Of the alien. Oh, yeah. I know. I wasn't yeah. allowed to see it, but I went to one of my friend's house houses. I'm still friends with her today. It was the house that you would go to if you wanted to watch movies that your parents wouldn't <laughs> let you watch because her parents would. We all would. had one. And um, yeah, we watched Science and I regretted it and I felt so bad. I told my parents that I watched it because I was having nightmares. <laughs> I was so scared. Yeah. I yeah. know that gave me nightmares too. Yeah, but it's okay, little Allie. They're not real. But that's probably why we have America has all these UFO sightings. Totally. It's because of that. It's yeah. Because we have Hollywood. Yeah, for sure. And we're on, everyone's on a spiritual journey. They want something that's like higher than them, but something that's not going to tell them what to do, you know? Well, and people put things in terms that they know. And I think in our media, we talk about this a lot more than certain other well, I, I guess non-Western countries do. Yeah. And so I'm like, of course there are more people who like report UFO sightings because that's what they would call something like weird that they might categorize as that. Whereas in another country, they they wouldn't call it yeah. that. So we have a know. lot of drugs in our country too. <laughs> yeah. Also that. <laughs> we have a <laughs> lot of drugs. <laughs> so that can't be discounted. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, so I was reading some of the, your theory, though. Some people do believe that the aliens are part of the end times. But again, I would say that that is demonic. It's funny how many people believe in aliens who probably think the idea of God is, like, so stupid. <laughs> you know, who those people on Twitter who, like, respond to Christians being like, oh, you're Sky Daddy. Yeah. How could you believe that? <laughs> who would never believe in angels and demons, but are like, I don't know. Maybe aliens are, maybe there is a parallel universe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the world did start from nothing billions of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Suspend your disbelief. Um, okay. Let's get into our next story. That's that on aliens. Maybe we'll have an update. If we can get one on the show, we'll let you know. Uh, let me go ahead and tell you about our next sponsor for the day before we get into this uh, next and last subject, and that is Constitution Wealth. Constitution Wealth is an amazing company. They are a Christian conservative wealth management company that help you with things like investing, financial planning, charitable giving. The great thing about them is that when you're working with them, unlike a lot of these other big name companies, you're talking to someone who has the same values as you do. So they're totally in alignment. When you're saying, here's how we want to invest, here's how we want to spend our money, we want to do it in a way that aligns with our principles, fights for our values, they are 100% on board. They're fighting with you which makes a really big difference. Whatever kind of service you're getting when it comes to your when it comes to your values, when your values are on the line, which they always are when it comes to how you invest and how you spend your money, you you just want to make sure that the person that you're talking to is on board with you. It can be really uncomfortable and a lot more difficult and complicated when the person that you're working with, especially on sensitive matters like money, like you know that they hate your values and they hate what you're talking about or they hate the organizations that you're giving to, you don't have to worry about that with Constitution Wealth. You can have peace of mind knowing that the people managing your wealth, that they're really responsible, but also that they're Christian conservatives. They love America. They're fighting for the causes that you and I are. So related gals, get your related bro husband. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Allie. Schedule a free consultation for you both together to see if this is right for you. I think that you're really, really going to like these guys. Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Allie. Constitutionwealth.com slash Allie. Okay, I cannot let this story go. I can't let it go. So I just, I want to quickly go through it because I don't want this to be a mega long episode, but I just want to not rehash, but put a fine point on this Florida curriculum story. Uh, last week, we talked about Kamala Harris and a bunch of other progressives in the media hating on Florida for their new set of social studies uh, standards, which is going to be available to lots of students, but including middle, middle school students. And part of that social studies curriculum uh, includes curriculum about slavery, also the Holocaust, a bunch of different things, but in particular about slavery. And there are uh, all kinds of subjects, all kinds of lessons that the students are required to learn with these new social studies requirements when it comes to slavery, uh, how slavery started, its history, not just in America, but throughout the world, how these African slaves were sold by Africans uh, to America and to Westerners. Um, 
and how they're all different kinds of people have been enslaved throughout history, the horrors specifically of American slavery and the impact of black Americans on American history, particularly uh, particularly uh, Florida history. So all kinds of, I think, really important information. And if anyone reads the 216-page document, which is available online summarizing the social studies curriculum, you will see that this appears to be, at least from the summary that we have, extremely objective and extremely thorough, looking at all different parts of slavery and Black history, the Reconstruction era, Jim Crow, and doesn't mince words about the injustice that this was, the importance of abolition, civil rights, and all of that. And so there is one line, though, that has become very controversial, one line in this 216-page document, which has been like a lightning rod. It has taken over headlines. Kamala Harris did an emergency speech on it, which we played last week on the episode. And this one line says this, examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves, e.g. agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation, clarification, one, on this particular lesson, instruction includes how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. So what are people saying? Everyone is saying, not everyone, but most people on the left, including Kamala Harris, are saying that, oh, this is saying slavery was beneficial. Oh, this is trying to justify slavery. This is talking about how we should be grateful for slavery. This is saying uh, that actually white supremacy is okay and people should be thankful for slavery and slavery was actually... Great. Like, that's how people are running with this. With this one single line saying that some slaves developed skills which benefited them, which they used for their personal benefit. From that, people are deducing that this curriculum uh, encourages people to think of chattel slavery in a positive light. And as I said last week, that is completely ridiculous. That is not at all what the line said. That is not at all what the line implies. And again, if you look at it in context, there is no way that you could deduce that. I have to say, I would have to conclude, like if you're trying to say that, if you're trying to say that this line justifies or puts a silver lining in slavery, that either you are a bad actor with bad intentions or you're ignorant. You really just don't know. Now, that's not to say you can't have a differing legitimate opinion, but I have not yet heard a differing legitimate opinion that explains why, logically, this this line is wrong and bad and justifies slavery. Every single person that opposes this curriculum based on this line has something in common, and that is that they're adding things that are not there. They say things that are simply not in the curriculum. And let me give you some examples for that. So there are several prominent black Republicans who have come out against this curriculum, who have felt the need for some reason to issue a statement about it. Now, let me tell you something that these black Republicans have in common. Um, it's not that they're black Republicans. That's not, I think, the most important part. It's that they've all endorsed Donald Trump. All of these people that I'm about to list who have come out attacking Ron DeSantis specifically for this curriculum, calling it racist, have also all endorsed Donald Trump. Make of that what you will. So this is Wesley Hunt, a Republican from Texas. He says, as the direct descendant of a slave, I have a hard time understanding Governor DeSantis's position that transferable skills learned in bondage are somehow a net benefit. That's what he says. Um, and now John James says this. I really liked John James, man. He says, 
Um, Ron DeSantis, nothing about that 400 years of evil was a net benefit, he puts in quotes, net benefit to my ancestors. My brother in Christ, if you find yourself in a deep hole, put the shovel down. You are now so far from the party of Lincoln that your ed board is rewriting history and you're personally attacking conservatives like Tim Scott and Byron Donalds uh, on the topic of slavery. You've gone too far. Stop. No, you stop. You're lying. You are lying. Are you intentionally lying because you're just a sketchy politician like the rest of them and you convinced us that you're this strong, honest, a man of integrity, this man of Christ that so many of us conservatives really supported? Or is it because you don't know? Either way, this is an unacceptable tweet. You should absolutely delete it and then you should apologize. But you won't because you endorsed Donald Trump. So it's not a coincidence to me that both John James and Wesley Hunt, who have endorsed Donald Trump, use the same phrase, net benefit. Net benefit. Oh, these skills were not, did not make slave uh, slavery a net benefit. No one said net benefit. No one said it. If DeSantis didn't say it, the curriculum doesn't say it. Like that would be, that would be one thing. If this curriculum said that slavery was a net benefit because of the skills learned, that would be a problem. That's saying there is more good than bad when it came to slavery because of these skills that were uh, learned by these slaves. That's not what anyone said, but apparently the talking points went out to some of these black Republicans and who endorsed Donald Trump and they decided to all use the same language or at least two of them decided to use the same language. And John James had the audacity to put net benefit in quotes when that is not a quotation. So where did that come from? What email did you get? What text did you get? What phone call did you get? Who gave that talking point, that phrase, net benefit, which just happens to appear in both of these tweets of people who are for uh, Donald Trump and, I guess, against Ron DeSantis? There is nothing in this curriculum whatsoever that implies that slavery was a net benefit or a blessing or that there was a silver lining to it. Instead, what it clearly implies, if you read the entire context, is that slaves, through their own resilience and industriousness, used some of the skills that they learned while slaves to then benefit themselves and their families, especially once freed. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in just a second. But it's not just them. Uh, It's also uh, Byron Donalds, who is another Republican representative. He said, uh, what's crazy to me is I express support for the vast majority of the, oh, he's from Florida, uh, the new African-American history standards and happened to oppose one sentence that seemed to dignify the skills gained by slaves as a result of their enslavement. Anyone who can't accurately interpret what I said is disingenuous and is desperately attempting to score political points. No, I think that you are doing that. Just another reason why I'm proud to have been endorsed or to have endorsed President Donald J. Trump. Okay, well, you just kind of give it away. Um, You just kind of give it away. And so because he criticized. Uh, oh, he said this. I, 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 I missed this, what he actually said. The new African-American standards in Florida are good, robust, and accurate. That being said, the attempt to feature the personal benefits of slavery is wrong and needs to be adjusted. That obviously wasn't the goal. And I have faith that Florida DOE will correct this, which is not a disrespectful critique. He is totally allowed to have that critique. He can totally put it out there. But again, that's not what the curriculum says. He has a right to have that opinion. That's probably like the most respectable opposition that I've seen to it, but I still think that it is wrong. And then I went back and forth 
uh, with someone named Javon Price, who used to work for Byron Donalds, and who was saying the same thing. Oh, the personal benefit thing. That's so bad. That's so wrong. We absolutely shouldn't have that. And I, uh, he responded to something that I said, I think, about... Uh, the first guy that I talked about. And he said, so I guess Byron Donalds, Jack Brewer, Tim Scott, John James, Wesley Hunt, myself, and others are all wrong because you know our history better than we do. Got it. Just to make, just had to make sure, conserve Mullen, that's me. That's the hill you're willing to die on. And I said, yes, you're all wrong. I don't care the color of your skin. You're wrong to say that the curriculum implies personal benefit. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's not what it says. I know what you guys are doing. You guys are trying to go after Ron DeSantis, which, okay, you can, but don't lie. Don't lie. You know that this is the exact language, by the way, almost the exact language from the uh, AP Advanced Placement African History Requirements that says this, in addition to agricultural work, enslaved people learned specialized trades and worked as painters, carpenters, tailors, musicians, and healers in the North and South. Once free, uh, Af it actually says American Americans, which is a typo, African Americans use these skills to provide for themselves and others. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. And these are the exact standards that, by the way, just a few months ago, back in February, the liberal media, they were all saying, oh my gosh, why won't Florida just adopt the AP standards? Because Florida rejected the AP standards for their own standards, which they've now come up with. And outlets like Politico said, what's really in the AP African-American studies class that DeSantis rejected? A, cl a close look at the course reveals just the sort of interdisciplinary uh, rigor students need to succeed. So Politico, New York Times, all of these other liberal outlets were so sad that Florida wasn't adopting the AP standards, which say the exact same thing. So yes, I think that the people are either that are opposing this are either being manipulative or they just don't know. Because I haven't heard a good argument about why this line is wrong, why this line is bad. And a lot of people have presented uh, what Dr. Allen, who Dr. William Allen, he is one of the members who served on Florida's African-American History Standards work group. A lot of people have quoted him and what he said, because he's done several interviews saying, look, we never said that slavery was good. We never said that it's something that we should be grateful for. Obviously, it was abject evil. Obviously, it was wickedness. Obviously, it was oppression. Obviously, it is beyond even our comprehension how human beings could do that to another human being, how these people were subjugated and stolen and trampled on. Of course, no one ever said that it wasn't awful. Here's, here's what he said. According to Fox News, he said it was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. What was said, and anyone who reads this will see this with clarity, is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit both while enslaved and after enslavement. He says he's black himself. He says, my great grandfather is someone who came from the islands and who was enslaved here and whose own resourcefulness, resilience, and adaptiveness was certainly instrumental in producing for his family, his descendants, the ability to prosper here in this country. 
Francis Presley Rice, who co-founded a nonprofit organization to raise awareness about the roles African-Americans have played in America's history. She was also a part of this work group. She said this, the intent of this particular benchmark clarification is to show that some slaves developed highly specialized trades from which they benefited. This is factual and well-documented. Florida students deserve to learn how slaves took advantage of whatever circumstances they were in to benefit themselves in the community of African descendants. This should be so non-controversial. And in a world where we actually cared about the truth and we weren't so hypersensitive slash uh, political and partisan and turned everything into a partisan debate, everything about left versus right, everything about Donald Trump versus DeSantis, we would all be able to see this. That in context, there is absolutely nothing wrong with this lying. That it is factually true. And that's the only question. And I've seen people say this. Sure, it might be true, but why should we say it? Because it's true. Because it's true. What are you talking about? Yes, we should look at slaves who developed skills and then despite the oppression that they suffered, the injustice that they suffered, use those skills to benefit themselves and their family. Wow, that is all to the glory of God. As evil as slavery was, how amazing is it that these individuals were so industrious and so hardworking, overcame obstacles that none of us, black or white, today can ever imagine. Like, yes, of course students should learn that. Like, surely you're not falling into, on the right, this idea of perpetual victimhood, right? Like, you're not falling into this CRT-shaped world in which everything is split in these nice, easy, black and white categories of oppressor versus oppressed and oppressor versus victim, right? I saw this professing Christian say to me, you can't bring up the story of Joseph and uh, being enslaved and how God actually used that horrible evil to then benefit uh, Israel. You can't use that because Joseph spoke to his own experience of enslavers and the oppressors didn't get to write that form. There's no one today who oppressed, who oppressed slaves. Okay. There was no oppressor that wrote this curriculum. All right. And so again, if you're falling into that mentality, whether you know it or not, that is a progressive left-wing race-baiting mentality. Okay, I have not heard yet the good case, the logical case, the factual case for why this line should be changed. And in fact, just to close this out, I'm going to uh, tell you very three or three very quick stories about uh, slaves who did exactly what this curriculum is talking about to exemplify why this curriculum is so important or why this part of the curriculum I think is so important is absolutely factual and why people are absolutely wrong to condemn it as racist or white supremacist or gaslighting about slavery or anything absolutely ridiculous like that. Let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day before I do that. And that is Jace Medical. So Jace Medical is an amazing company. They're the only service in the U.S. that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So hopefully you'll never need this. Hopefully you'll never need an emergency stash of medication, but you never know. I mean, we're talking about crazy things. We don't know what's going to happen with the supply chain. We've seen that over the past few years. We don't know uh, what's going to happen with the future, with where our uh medication is manufactured. A lot of times it's manufactured overseas. We don't know what's happening over there that could inhibit us from getting the medicine that we need. And so you just want to make sure that you have access to some key antibiotics should you or your family members suffer from any kind of infection. And you want to make sure that you get those daily medications that you 
rely on those prescriptions. Jace Medical, through their telemedicine process, can help you do that. You'll get a year supply, a year emergency stash of these medications, your daily prescriptions for your family, as well as the stash of antibiotics. And you'll be so glad that you did. It's just better to be safe than sorry. You'll have peace of mind knowing that you have this. Go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's jacemedical.com, code Allie, jacemedical.com, code Allie. Okay, so let me just give you, let me give you three examples of, I think, people that would probably be included in this part of the curriculum. And you tell me if you think that we should be learning about this, if students should be learning about these people. The first was William Ellison, who has a very unique story. I'm not saying that this is the majority of slaves. It's a very unique story. He was a slave who was apprenticed at age 10 to a cotton gin maker. He was hired out by his master to this cotton gin maker. Um, and his master, of course, being his master, required Ellison to send him a portion, but not all of his earnings. So with his leftover earnings, what he had saved up, he bought his freedom from his master. He then became very, a uh, very successful cotton gin maker. He also learned how to blacksmith. He became a successful blacksmither. He owned land in South Carolina. At the time of his death, William Ellison owned 63 slaves. He was also able to pass down property, possessions, uh, wealth to his posterity, uh, to his children. He was able to buy uh, the freedom of his children using the money that he earned by being a cotton gin maker, which is a skill that he earned while enslaved. So tell me whether or not it is accurate to say that he benefited from skills that he learned as a slave. Does that mean his slavery was okay or justified or a blessing in any way? No, that's not to say that it was good. That is to say, wow, this was an industrious, smart, entrepreneurial, hardworking person that overcame outstanding odds to provide for himself and his family. Wow, that's not controversial, but that's exactly what they're talking about in this curriculum. And then we have, of course, Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, born into slavery, separated from his mother as an infant, which was an atrocious practice that was very common during slavery separated from his grandparents later. If you read his uh, his autobiography or if you read his descriptions of his upbringing, uh, they're gut-wrenching. Like poverty, suffering, torture, like beyond what any of us can even understand. But he was taught the alphabet by his master's wife in Baltimore at the age of 12, Sophia Ald. Now she eventually realized, oh, shouldn't have done that. This is incompatible with keeping him basically a dumb slave, tried to prevent him from reading. But at that point, like she had already lit the fire. He already knew the alphabet. So he was able to teach himself how to read and write. He obviously became a prolific speaker, a prolific writer, and was a dominant leader. Um, of uh, of previously enslaved Black people in America had tremendous influence and still does today. I mean, loved the Constitution, uh, loved education, advocated for education and for honoring the Constitution among African-Americans, just an amazing person. But even though his master decided later to not allow him to learn how to read, he learned a skill during slavery, which later went to benefit him, even though his slavery was oppressive and wrong. And then you have Phyllis Wheatley. She's extremely controversial if you read what she wrote. I mean, even including this poem, I would guess, is 
uh, not allowed by a lot of these people criticizing this curriculum. She was kidnapped from Africa. She was sold to a wealthy family in Boston. The children of her master taught her to read and write. She quickly proved herself to be an incredible poet. Um, it was rare because the Wheatley family that owned her strongly encouraged her education, helped her seek opportunities to become a published poet. And here is one of her poems. This is Phyllis Wheatley, not me. Okay, this is on being brought from Africa to America. She says this, slave. She says, "'Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benighted soul to understand that there's a God and there's a savior too. Once I redemption neither sought nor knew. Some view our sable race with scornful eye. Their color is a diabolic dye. Remember Christians, Negroes, black as cane, may be refined and join the angelic train. So there is something there for those that were rightly considered white supremacists who hated her race, saying, hey, we're also made in the image of God, and God can save our souls too. And then she also says that she's actually, like, it was a merciful thing for her to be taken, she says, from her pagan land to America and learning the gospel. Whoa, are you even allowed to read a poem like that nowadays? I think a lot of these critics would say no. But did she gain a skill while enslaved that later went on to benefit her? Yes or no? Yes or no? Despite the oppression and the wrongness of her enslavement. And then, of course, I guess very controversial to all of these people is Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington, his autobiography. Uh, he was born in slavery. Slaves emancipated when he was a child. He worked in the mines, taught himself to read, became a dominant leader among Black Americans and emancipated slaves. Um, in his book, he talks about the harsh, oppressive realities of slavery. Slaves were treated like dogs, if that. Um, but he gives a roadmap and inspiration for resilience and self-sufficiency through education and letting go of bitterness. He says this. When we rid ourselves of prejudice and racial feeling and look facts in the face, we must acknowledge that, notwithstanding the cruelty and moral wrong of slavery, the 10 million Negroes inhabiting this country who themselves or whose ancestors went through the school of American slavery are in a stronger and more hopeful condition materially, intellectually, morally, and religiously than is true of an equal number of Black people in any other portion of the globe. Whoa. That almost sounds like he's saying there was a benefit. I have begun everything, he says, this is a different quote, with the idea that I could succeed. And I never had much patience with the multitudes of people who are always ready to explain why one cannot succeed. I mean, that is just as relevant today as it was back then. There are a lot of people in power, a lot of politicians who make a lot of money and get a lot of votes by explaining why certain classes of people absolutely cannot succeed no matter how hard they try. And so you can't tell heroic stories of industriousness, overcoming odds, overcoming obstacles of people who were literally slaves at one point, because that kind of discounts the argument that today there are too many obstacles and too much oppression for Black people to overcome and become successful. I mean, that's part of what this is. I don't think the people on the right criticizing this uh, curriculum think that they have that motivation, but of course it has the same end result. So you can take it up, not with me, who I know all of these people are just going to say, oh, you're racist, whatever. I don't care. 
You can take it up with Booker T. Washington. You can take it up with Phyllis Wheatley. You can take it up with Frederick Douglass. You can take it up with Dr. Allen. You can take it up uh, with the black scholars that helped write this curriculum. You can take it up with them. You can take it up with history. You can take it up with facts. You can take it up with logic. You can take it up from God's word, with God's word, um, that clearly says that even through wickedness, which chattel slavery is, even through oppression, which chattel slavery is, even through evil, abject evil, suffering beyond compare in so many cases, um, just like beyond what we can even imagine, even in that, God can work things together for good. Doesn't justify it, doesn't make it right, doesn't add a silver lining. It is what it is. So you can take it up with all those people can take it up with the Bible. If you have a problem with this line in the curriculum, you're going to have to build a better case than any that I've seen online thus far. Oh, that's been bothering me. It's been bothering me so much. So many, like, I think well-meaning and otherwise, like, very smart conservative Christians falling for this, this, I don't even know, stupidity, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. All right. That was a long episode, but I had to. There's going to be a lot that I have to say because I'm like cramming everything I want to say into like two weeks of episodes now at this point. So these are probably going to be some longer episodes. Uh, We've got an amazing interview coming up tomorrow. So don't miss out on that. And then a lot of other things that we have to say for the next two weeks. Send me ideas for what you want us to talk about. If you've got an idea that you want me to uh, comment on. All right. That's all we have time for today. We will see you back here tomorrow. 